afternoon, everybody. Um, kind of a crazy day today. Um, I hope, looks like that might be our amazing screener, non-compliant Mary. I'm not sure, but we got the right uh, area code. Um, but if not, we understand Mary uh, has a, a ranch out in the middle of the wilderness and uh, she has a bunch of sheep, different kinds of sheep, exotic sheep, and uh, apparently a mountain lion got in and uh, killed all of her her flock today. Um, so she's dealing with that, and uh, she may may be here to screen, may not. Uh, Becca, as I told you last week, is uh, just had a neck surgery, and I spoke with her yesterday, and she is recovering, um, but she's still in uh, still in a pretty bad way. She had a little bit better day yesterday, and uh, it was pretty serious surgery, so uh, hopefully uh, everybody has a little, little bit of a better day. Uh, if we don't end up having a screener today, I can just uh, freewheel it, and uh, we'll... we'll uh, Screen you out live on the air. We'll see what happens. Um, you know, I talk about ending prohibition all the time. Been talking about it for 10 years. And um, everybody, not everybody, but so many people talk about legalization and you know, some little baby step, passing a law that allows for certain things. And in California, 20-some years ago, 23 years ago, we passed a law that allowed for some things, and it was a vaguely written law, but it was written in such a way that made allowances, and it, it, it made a place for people to do what they needed to do. And it's supposed to be that when the law is vague and ambiguous um, and maybe not clear about what, how it would apply to a defendant or a client, it's supposed to err on the side of that defendant. But in California, as in so many places, it didn't work out that way all the time, and prosecutors, you know, did what they do. Um, you know, their job, what it's supposed to be and what it is, is often very different. And prosecutors um, often work hard to get convictions rather than find justice. Um, and they take on cases they think they can win rather than cases that are righteous many, many times. And remember, your tax dollars are going to fund all these raids and all of these cases and the cost of locking people up and the cost of housing them and their property and uh, all the cost of all the cost it takes to do these things. Um, we pay for that. And the last I checked, California Highway still sucks balls. There's still potholes everywhere, and, and hell, my, my road's not even paved. Uh, pay, 
taxes, but I don't get payment on my roads because other things are more important as determined by the government. In California, I don't know, about 25, 35 years ago, we passed a law that allowed for a state lottery. And we were told by the state government that it was a great idea because it was going to fund the schools. And what it seems that happens is every time that states want to raise money, they somehow say it's going to help the schools or law enforcement or the fire department or the roads or things that we want and need. But here we are 30 years or so later, and uh, the schools are some of the worst in the country. The roads are some of the worst in the country, and our taxes are some of the highest in the country. Just saying. We have a lot of problems going on that need to be addressed, and how many plants somebody grows just isn't one of them. But when we pass a law that allows a few people to do a few things, then it becomes one of them. Then the government wants to get involved when illegal growths are happening because now there's a legal growth that could happen. And when that legal grow happens, the state makes money in a different way than if the illegal grow happens. And that's all it's about. It's not about public safety. The cannabis laws in California, at least, are part of the health and safety code. The health and safety code. I don't know. It seems to be saying something to me. And yet, I've yet to see a situation where somebody growing plants in their yard affected anybody's health or safety. Well, needless to say, in Southern California right now, <clears throat> there are massive rates going on right now in the county that I live in. <clears throat> Every time I hear a helicopter go by, my heart starts pounding. I don't let anybody see it, but I've been there. I've seen it. It's happened before. could happen again. And if it happens again, you know, hard to say what will happen. I know what I'll do, but, you know, it will affect a lot of people in a pretty substantial and negative way. And I have people approach me every single day about business, about partnerships and deals and all kinds of stuff. And then when I talk about my nonprofit work, which inevitably I do, I get, wow, what a good thing you're doing. And I say, well, why don't you help? And sometimes they do. Sometimes they do. They might donate some money or, or, or say, I'm with you, man, or they might listen to the radio show. But the reality is right now in Paris, which is the town I live in, even though I really don't live in the town, and in Hemet and in Anza, today there are raids happening on quote-unquote illegal grows. And an illegal grow is any grow that doesn't have a license now. Previously, an illegal grow would be one that you couldn't prove was involved with patients. And see, that's a big difference. 
in what we have today. Now it doesn't matter if you have patience or not. Now it doesn't matter if you're doing good work helping people that need it. Only thing that matters is that you got your paperwork right and that the taxes are being collected the way they're supposed to be. And that's it. Everything else is illegal. And this is in California where everybody thinks everything's cool. Well, it's not. And hopefully this will pass over me and I won't be affected by it personally, but <coughs> only time will tell. So the question is, what do I do? Do I take down every plant that I have? Because I'm allowed, I think, six plants. And I have maybe more than that. Is that reasonable? No. doesn't make sense. You know, the plants that I deal with are a collection that's been collected over many, 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 many years by many people. And I've been entrusted to take care of other people's plants sometimes. Sometimes you have more than you need, sometimes you don't have enough. But at the end of the day, those numbers really shouldn't matter. But that's the reality we live in. And where's the outrage? I haven't heard any of it. I've just seen fear. As everybody tells me, you know what they're doing. I see the look of terror in their eyes. I'm like, yeah. What do you think I've been dealing with for the last 10 years? What do you think when I walk into it, I think I don't know what I'm doing? Oh, yeah. I've had that gun stuck in my head. I've had those handcuffs put on me. I've been stuck in those cold <laughs> isolation rooms, holding cells. Gone through it all. Been there, done that. Don't want to go back. Truly, I don't. But I'm not going to bow or be held hostage because of some bad laws. And I encourage you to do the same. You know, if we live our lives in fear of our own freaking government, what has happened? What has happened? What have we let happen if we live in fear of our own government? You know, this week was the 30th year anniversary of the Tiananmen Square incident. And I've been studying about uh, a villain. I've studied a lot of heroes, and now I'm studying a villain, a guy by the name of Mao Zedong. And this guy is a bad guy. He, he, he exemplifies the things we don't want in our leadership. And I'm only maybe halfway through this story. But a lot of people have died, and, and a lot of people' rights have been sacrificed and trampled on. And in Tiananmen Square, there was a lot of death that was around that whole incident. And we didn't hear the whole story. We didn't see the whole story. But what we did see was the courage of one man who stood quietly and sternly against a fleet of tanks that were coming down the road, and he didn't budge. And those tanks tried to get around him, and they 
didn't want to kill him, and they stopped. And, you know, they didn't ever really figure out who that guy was, that he didn't get famous, and today they don't really know who he is. But that image is, is in, it's actually on the wall behind me. I have that image that I look at. It's been up there for 10 years because that's what matters. When we stand tall, whether we're afraid or not, it doesn't matter if you're afraid. If my heart's pounding inside, I'm going to stare straight ahead, and you're not going to know it. Because fear breeds fear. Fear is contagious. It's not helpful. We need to have courage in the face of fear. We need to stay strong in the face of chaos. And we need to keep going as though there's nothing wrong. And we need to make it so that there's nothing wrong. That's what we need to do. So I hope that next week I'll be here with my life the same as it is today or better. <laughs> but we all live in a world full of risk, whether we know it or not. And if we indulge or imbibe in the cannabis plant in any way, shape, or form, <clears throat> we are at risk of losing freedom, property, rights, and so much more. And I say to you this, when are we going to be upset enough to do something about it? When are we going to do a little more than just sit on social media and pound some keys? It's all good to do that, and I'm not, I'm not negating that there's value to that. And I know I always hear from the people who, that's all they can do, that that's all they can do, right? It's great, do what we can, but we need more than that. And when are we going to get the people that can do more than that to stand up and start doing more than that? When are we going to stand together? When are we going to stop being little individual teams of one and two and three and four and start standing together in unity? That's what I want to know. Also today... A friend of mine, Bobby, who's been on the show numerous times, got arrested up in Oregon because Oregon's so cool about everything. He's in custody right now, and I haven't figured out all the details, but it's uh, I've seen the, the jail report, and it's possession of a controlled substance. For a state that's so cool about it, he's awfully in custody. We've still got a lot of work to do. And just simply passing a law that says we can do certain things is by no means the end of it. We need to make social change. And social change doesn't come simply by passing a law. Look at your history books or look at the real history that's not in all the history books. The stories are there. The events happened. The events continue to happen. It's unfolding right now every day. So I haven't gotten any calls from any uh, victims of raids, but I've seen footage of these raids happening. There's uh, In Anza, there's a, 
uh, whole team of sheriffs all testosterone up and whooping it up and just, you know what they, they remind me of? They remind me of big game hunters. You know, these assholes, they go shoot animals that can't hurt anybody and they sit there <coughs> with their arms up over some deer that was killed for the sport of it. They didn't even eat the damn thing. I don't have any problem with hunting if you're going to eat food, but um, you know, big game hunters hunt animals that aren't plentiful anymore many times, and many times, um, you know, they stand there and they're like, look what I did. That's what these sheriffs look like. They're standing there all proud of themselves because they got themselves some bad guys. They got themselves some dopers. They got themselves some huts. And if you think different, go pay attention a little bit closer because that's what happens. We let it. It barely makes the news. Underground information gets passed around, but that's the truth. My guess is that when they get through with all these raids they're doing right now, if I don't get hit, which I'm thinking that I don't, uh, somebody I know will. And we'll probably have more cases to support. And all the people that are texting me about how to do this and how to do that, I just can't help but wonder if any of them are going to show up if there's a court case that needs to be supported. I'd like to think that the answer is yes. I'd like to think that people will show up. I'd like to think that we'll stand together and get a little bit loud when, when the time is right. I'd like to think that. I don't know that, but I'd like to think that. <laughs> we've had some developments with the Michael Thompson case. Um, we've been talking about the case for years now. Um, and I got an email that gave an update. Um, unfortunately, I've made a lot of effort in trying to create a way that we can raise some money um, for Michael, and I've opened up a bank account for that through our nonprofit, and we're, we're set to do it, but then I got word a couple of days ago that other groups and people are going to be involved in this, and I haven't heard from any of them, and I don't really know what to say or do, so I'm hoping that this doesn't turn into a cluster truck as it has in the past when multiple Groups and people got together to accomplish something without laying out a plan, but I'm hoping that very soon we'll be able to let you guys know um, where and how that you can donate to Michael Thompson's reentry program. And uh, it's exciting that there's so many people getting together to help Michael. Um, and if you've been following this case, it's been going on, like I said, for many, many years, but we got involved about five or six years ago, and Michael has a, a nephew uh, by the name of Sheldon Neely, and he's a state senator, and he did some crappy things. We thought we had him helping us out, and we thought that he was guiding us in the right direction, and we did everything he said, and, and, and then at the last second, he kind of pulled the rug out from under us and wasn't willing to go to bat for Michael because of fear of, of uh, nepotism issues. 
And, um, you know, it's all politics. Anybody who's ever been involved in politics is, is um, you know, there's a game that needs to be played unless you're, unless you got some real stones and you're willing to jump in there and make some change as is needed. Anyways, I got this message today from Dee Dee who has been um, on the forefront of this whole case. She's been involved in virtually everything that's had to do with the, anything positive. She's been uh, knee deep in this, working with Sheldon and all the people that have said they're going to help. And, um, you know, she talks to Michael virtually every day, sometimes many times a day, and, and it's, it's the real work. And um, she put together the whole petition previously that ultimately got denied. Um, but we've got some news that's changed. So I'm just going to kind of read you this. Um, Hi, Joe. I wanted to give you a hot off the press update that Michael doesn't even know yet. He asked me to contact Sheldon and Sean. Sean is the activist that has jumped into this game and is helping bring awareness to all this. But I don't know. I haven't talked to him, and I don't know exactly what to do right now regarding raising funds for this situation. So, anyways, um, he says, so I called Sheldon, and he says he sees all the Internet buzz about Michael. And tomorrow he's going to resubmit the application for pardons on Michael's behalf. Now, this is huge. Um, up until now, this little, this, this, literally this minute, Sheldon was leading us on and claiming that, you know, if we act this way and we do these things, that he'll be able to influence the situation. And then at the end he didn't. Um, but now that he sees that everybody's engaged, and everybody's participating, and we have so many people that are now flooding uh, emails and letters, and, and, and Michael is, is getting a lot of attention right now because of these last couple of articles that have been put out, and then Sean King has now gotten involved, and he has a, a large amount of reach, and I guess they call it influence over the, in the Internet world. Um, and so we're starting to build a... Um, a loosely organized team here. Um, anyways, the deal is Sheldon was always hiding behind his politics, but he's been outed in the Intercept article. And if you read it, um, this happened. We, 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 it was brought forward what happened, and Sheldon was revealed what he did or slash didn't do. Uh, so now he can't hide anymore, and he's being almost forced to take a stance which is challenging for him as he's running for mayor of Flint. So I can't wait to tell Michael, but in the meantime, I wanted you to have a full update for your show. There's lots of possibilities around this journey for freedom and also submitted to the new judge, but we haven't heard back. Michael submitted the same motion many years ago and got a denial within a few days. So that we haven't heard back from the judge for several weeks is also a good sign. <coughs> There are, thank God, so many good signs, and the best sign is when someone would sign for his release. The whole world is watching. Okay, fingers crossed. And that is um, also that Sean has had his followers contact the government or the governor, and they sent uh, over 2,000 emails and letters on Michael's behalf, and the governor sent replies to each one back. So she knows about Michael, and she knows about the support, the community support 
the thing that we're always talking about, the thing that we talk about as being a solution beyond changing a law. You know, in Michigan, they have recreational laws and medical laws, and they have had medical laws for many, many years. Well, Michael still sits in state prison for state crimes, cannabis crimes. So this is letting you guys know what this show is, is, is so much about is making a change, making a personal change, making a personal decision to make a change and being part of something bigger than yourself if you can and come with a united mission, a united front, and we can make some real and lasting changes. Changes like creating a world where there aren't people locked up in prison for pot. Imagine that world. I do every day. Imagine a world where I don't have to sit here with angst because that helicopter that I hear down the road might be headed my way. <clears throat> it's happened before. Hopefully it never happens again, but it could. We don't want that to happen, and we can make that change. We can make it to where we demand as taxpayers that our tax dollars are spent on things other than policing the amount of plants that some people have and others don't. Anyway, Craig Cecil calling. Oh, yeah, from Federal Prison, where he's serving life. This call is being recorded and is subject to monitoring. Hello, Craig. How are you doing today? Hello, Joe. Well, it's in the middle of a thunderstorm here in Carroll, Indiana. But otherwise, we're doing real well. We we have uh, good news lately uh, from Illinois, my hometown. Yeah, I heard you guys voted in a recreational law. Yep, it's officially passed there and uh, it takes effect the first of next year. I really don't know much about the details, but uh, the only thing I have learned is that it basically allows... Uh, People in Illinois to possess up to 30 grams if you're a resident of Illinois, or uh, half that if you're from outside of Illinois. And I don't know how the distribution system is going to be set up. Well, you know, it's interesting. I was just talking about that sort of thing. And today in California, in Southern California, where I'm at, the government is raiding quote unquote illegal farms. And they, they've they're executing over a hundred warrants right now in Riverside County and especially in the town that I'm in right now that I live in. Um, they're they're raiding places right where I'm at. So hopefully um I don't get interrupted while we're talking. That's in California where where we have these laws that allow for these things, but we're still spending millions and millions of tax dollars because now we have what we call legal growth and illegal growth. And it didn't change anything for the government. In fact, they're actually raiding more people than they ever have. Now, what is it that they're looking for in California? Is the California officials looking for people that might have more than the California law, you know, law allows people or, or things of that nature? Is that really what they're kind of yeah, what they're, what they're around for? Yeah, what they're claiming is they're going after quote-unquote, illegal growth. And so because they're allowing for some licensing, um, 
that anybody who doesn't have a license, which there's only a handful of people that actually have licenses, they're very expensive and hard to come by. But everybody who doesn't have a license is and is growing is essentially engaged in what they call an illegal grow. So in the past, we had our medical law that protected the majority of people that were growing um, if, if they could prove that what they were growing was benefiting uh, a group of patients, which was fairly easy to do. But now that we have our recreational law, that old law is no longer in effect. So now unless you have a license, which is not easy to get um, and not cheap to get, that grow that you have is now not legal anymore. Yeah, that makes a lot of fear in me, especially uh, I'm from Illinois where anything in our state and local governments are uh, bought and paid for. So. Right. <laughs> Unfortunately, that, you know, that's going to pretty much rule the marijuana industry as it has the uh, medical marijuana industry up till now. Exactly. Yeah, that's, uh, I mean, it's, it's really unsettling. Um, because, you know, again, it's happening right right in my backyard, literally. I mean, you know, um, and, and it's easy to, to be out of compliance. You know, they, they made the rules that you, can, that you can do as a personal thing so small um, that, you know, anybody who's ever grown plants for a purpose, uh, to think that you could grow six plants and get what you need out of six plants, for most people – Unless it's just for a personal, you know, you, you smoke a little bit. But if you're making anything out of these plants, you know, you burn through six plants in, in, in no time. And it's, it's not sufficient. You know, if you're, if you're making topicals or, or needing oil for any reason, um, it takes a lot of plants to make a little bit of those things. And it, it's just unbelievable that, you know, these things are still happening. That's what, Chad, like you say, they're in between the, the same drug is both the, the illegal and legal, and it really leads to probably more confusion than anything. This call is from a federal prison. Well, you know what it is, is what, what the government does when there's confusion is they take advantage of it. Um, when the government isn't sure of something, the government generally takes puts it in, in the government's power, and the government benefits from from any of these disparities. Unless we have an ironclad right that we've cast for ourselves, usually the government undermines it and takes it away from us. And that's what's happening here. I see, I see. Now, one thing I noticed, a bunch of people are excited about the decision out of the uh, Second Circuit Court of Appeals out on the East Coast. What they've done... It's, uh, in answering a lawsuit on behalf of uh, really some children that were using medical marijuana to, uh, for the treatment of seizures, seizures and uh, some other disorders, the, uh, the federal court out there ordered the DCA that they have six months to answer whether they're going to reschedule marijuana from Schedule 1, meaning that these people can't use it as medicine for their children, but reschedule it to uh, schedule two so that they can use it as medicine. And I'll be honest, I, I'm kind of uncomfortable with that because 
my fear is, is people will say, well, they made that little change, so everything's okay. But in reality, in terms of uh, federal prosecution of marijuana crimes, it doesn't make any difference at all. Heroin is Schedule 1. Cocaine and methamphetamine are Schedule 2. And really, the seventh thing and, you know, the prosecutions are all the same. Yeah, anything anything um, below Schedule 5 or descheduling completely uh, doesn't help us at all. Um, what it means is, is unless it's made by a pharmaceutical company that is DEA approved, um, it's still just as illegal <clears throat> as it was before, just like you said. So, you know, the people that, that think that these baby steps are the way to go, um, I want to see what your plan is past that first step because that first step didn't help us at all. The only thing that I could say might be helpful is, the, is if, if it shakes the government to where they have to make a move. And if they make that move to that, maybe there's going to be some momentum where we say, whoa, hold on, that's not, that's not going to be enough. I mean, if, if, it, if it shakes it enough to move, maybe we can keep the momentum going. That's the only thing I could see as even possibly being positive about something like that. I agree. I agree. And it, I mean, the media touched it a little bit, but uh, really the political arena didn't grab onto it to say, you know, look, we're making progress or anything. They, they basically just ignored it. Like most of the political circles are, you know, circles are just ignoring marijuana in general. They're afraid to make a stand either way. So they just don't talk about it at all. And I think, you know, hopefully this, you know, would be something else to, especially with an election coming up and, you know, a bit over a year from now, you know, we can force people to, to make a stand, you know, this is the way I will vote on marijuana. Well, you know, it's, um, it's, um, it's really frustrating. I know that the uh, the FDA just had a hearing on Friday um, to discuss what to do with CBD, and as it was supposed to be something that um, you know everybody was excited about, what happened was the big pharma and the big industry people um, had a voice, and everything they said kind of shored up their position to the exclusion of everybody else. And they're painting this, this picture of uncertainty and fear. And I mean, I didn't hear the whole thing, but the part I heard um, really wasn't helpful to us. And uh, I was hoping for something better than that. You know, they still do not have a single fatal case of exposure to cannabis. And they were using all kinds of things like um, the addictive nature of the of the chemicals and, um, you know, the interactive nature with other drugs and anything that they could do to incite fear rather than talk about the relative safety of it um, and that we've gone 50,000 years without a single recorded death that's directly attributed to cannabis. So I don't know. It, it was a little frustrating. Because my, my kind of stance on that is just look at things like ginseng and that that have been around for centuries. And uh, the government just allows them to sell it, but there's never, 
that I've ever heard. There's never have been anybody injured by ginseng, and if they think it improves things for them, you know, so be it. Let them, you know, let them have their herb. Absolutely, and that's you know they have a category of substance in the sub supplement from a federal prison. Uh, in the supplement situation, they call grass generally regarded as safe, and that would be my petition is to put it into that category and have the least amount of restrictions and limitations on it. Well, around here, because remember, I'm in the Midwest, right in the middle of the corn belt here. And uh, recently, the price of the corn, and especially soybeans, have really bottomed out and hurt the farmers. But with the change in the hemp law last year, and now the state's enacting laws, uh, now that the bud says that they'll allow it, the state's enacted laws are opening a lot of these farms to growing hemp. And it's my understanding that a lot of the CDBs can be derived right from the health plan. Oh, absolutely. That, that's one of the one of the virtues of this plant, one of the many virtues of this plant, is that, um, you know, even industrial hemp that's grown for fiber and um, uh, fuel or whatever uh, generally has a significant amount of CBD in it. Like I say, that, that seems to be, you know, quite a quite a bustle amongst the Midwest farmers here, you know, to change over from soybean or like even some of them changing over from corn to hemp. And it, a lot of them are excited about a market that, you know, really kind of escaped the United States years ago. They're excited about bringing that crop back into the United States. Well, imagine this. Imagine if your corn crop, instead of just taking the seeds of the corn as your crop, you could take the whole plant. You know, they use the, the fibers of the plant as well as the seeds, as well as the flowers, as three different types of products that can be made from it. So if you think about the efficiency of cultivating, a, you know, a profitable crop, um, you literally lose nothing. I mean, they're probably going to do something with the roots before too long. And, you know, it, it's literally there isn't a plant that is so useful uh, out there. I mean, there's there's not a plant and there's not a commercial crop that is more useful. You can feed the people with the seeds and make a, 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 a nutritious oil out of the seeds. You can create fiber and um, clothing out of the fibers, out of the, out of the stalks themselves. And then the flowers contain all this oil that contains CBD and, and other cannabinoids that, you know, have a myriad of, of benefits that we still have yet to find a fatal dose. So, you know, if somebody had a negative reaction to it, well, so what? Don't take it. You know, some people have a negative reaction to okra. It, it doesn't, you know, it's, it's, there is no food out there that not everybody can eat. But if it can't kill you and it might help you, it just it's a no-brainer to me. I agree. I agree. I'm allergic to penicillin. And, uh... I don't think that's a reason to take penicillin off the market for all the people that help. Exactly. I'm not allergic to penicillin, and penicillin's probably saved my life a couple of times, so I'm glad it's out there. But meanwhile, if you can't handle it, I would not recommend you taking it. Imagine if we took a stance like that, a simple common-sense point of view. Right, right. I mean, just treat it like peanuts. Some people can't eat peanuts, you know. The, the bulk of people can hear. Exactly. 
Exactly. Well, how's the softball team going? How's my what? How's the softball league going? Very well, very well. Uh, a lot of fun, a lot of heckling, and like I say, it's you know a lot like herding cats between the, the angry people and the mentally ill people and the <laughs> just the, the people that don't like their teammates. <laughs> It, it gets to be pretty funny sometimes. Sometimes you get a frustrated team in the hall and umpire makes it. It gets to be a riot sometimes trying to settle down the the people. And, you know, I've got the real rule book in my hand trying to get them to admit that nothing did right. <laughs> well, you're at the, la- at, the end of your, uh, at the end of your line here, so I'll give you the last few seconds to, to wrap it up. Well, I come in. You know, everything I supposedly did in my marijuana case in Illinois, and now Illinois has recreational marijuana. There we go, folks. That was a good uh, a good final statement. Um, so many prisoners are serving time in states that now have laws that allow some people to do some things. Just can't imagine. I can't imagine. I can't imagine what it would be like if the population of the United States of America pulled their heads out of their pillows and wherever else it might be and raised their hands up at once and said, you know what? We need to back the hell off of this. We need to stop spending tax dollars on this while there's still homeless people and people that don't have health coverage and people that don't have the ability to drive on a road because they don't have a road, and so many other things that our tax dollars ought to be spent on. And we ought to start changing the way we look at our prison system, for one, and our system of incarcerating, raiding, seizing, stealing. My wife, when she just came in here, showed me another picture of a sheriff going through a greenhouse and cleaning out plants. Just a little greenhouse that had, I don't know, probably 99 plants. That's sort of a magic number out here. (laughs) Yep, your crown chakra out of your root chakra. I like it. Get your crown chakra out of your root chakra and start thinking. I like that. Sarah, good job. That was a good call. Come out of our YouTube world. Imagine if we just took a minute and started thinking about this stuff and started speaking out about what we're thinking about. And maybe, just maybe, if we all pulled our heads out of our egos and decided that, well, maybe it's okay to work with some other people in other groups and, and, and come to something solid, maybe let history reveal itself. Somebody's doing a good job at something, start working with them. I don't know, maybe that's a good idea. It's worked in the past. It's worked throughout all of history. So we've got a day full of turmoil and chaos here in California, raids happening all around us. Again, hopefully you guys don't end up witnessing one. Um, We've got a guest, maybe a couple of guests, and I've only got about 15 minutes of the show left, but I have the magic power to go along if I need to, and uh, I'm not afraid of doing it. I do not have a screener today, so I'm going to do a wild card screening, and I'm just going to pop you guys one at a time live on the air real quick and see who you are and uh, see if I've got a guest here. So we're going to start with 
Caller number one. I tried to you are live on the air. I don't know who you are, but uh, if you want to talk, uh, or if you are a guest on the line waiting to talk, let me know. Who am I talking to? I don't know. Are you talking to me? Yes, I am. Oh, it's Steve Sarich in Thailand. Ah, there we go. Steve Sarich is our, right. our featured guest today. So I apologize. My, if you heard, I think you heard this from the beginning. Um, one of our normal screeners uh, had all of her sheep killed by a mountain lion today, and she's dealing with. Oh, uh, what a nightmare! Come out. Yeah, and then uh, the other screener had neck surgery last week and is not back in shape yet. So uh, I'm I'm uh, I'm winging it On right now. Own. So Steve Barrett, you are um, our featured guest today, and you I'm just looking at your little bio that we have here, and it says you're a fierce advocate for liberty, human rights, and access to the cannabis plant, um, which I certainly share uh, with you. You've walked the halls of Washington State Legislature and agencies for two decades. I believe you and I have met at one point. Um, I know we've talked before. I, be- I, um, today, I, 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 know, I know we have. <laughs> uh, yeah. I, I moved to Thailand. Go ahead. You moved to Thailand. Um, wow. Let me, let me, I moved to Thailand. Well, I'll, I'll explain that in a second. But let me make a let me make a comment on this legalization in Illinois and and um, and, and your comments on it. Um, this is all this is all a scam um, because now what you have in Illinois is not legalization. We both know that the only way to legalize something. Uh, by definition, to, is to remove all the laws that made it illegal in the first place. So now you have four classes of, of citizens uh, or cannabis users or cannabis growers in Illinois. You have the patients. You have the um, those who are legal residents. You have rules, different rules for uh, people who come into the state. Uh, they have a different amount that they can have legally, and you have the people who just want to grow medicine for themselves. And so now if you take the fact that you have four sets of rules, now what they will do invariably, because you've seen it in every state, they will keep changing those rules over and over and over again to the point where nobody knows what the rules are because the cops hide in the gray areas. They always, they always say the same thing. We want clear, bright lines. And there couldn't be a bigger lie in the, can, in the cannabis world than the cops wanting clear, bright lines. They live in the shadows. So they, they, they get to keep arresting you. It's not legalization. There's nothing, there's nothing legal about it. Uh, and what's, what are the rules going to be tomorrow? Washington uh, had passed legalization of medical in 1998, and now there's no medical cannabis law in Washington at all. I mean, it's, it's, it's you, now if you're a patient, you have to go and buy, um, buy recreational pot that is soaked in pesticides, and they have absolutely no law requiring that that be tested for pesticides. So, yeah, the legalization is a, is a joke. Uh, in, in the U.S., I finally got tired of 
beating my head against a concrete wall uh, about last June or July and, and, um, and bought myself a, an airline ticket one way to Thailand and never looked back. Uh, wow. And in just, you know, I, I packed three suitcases and, and just left um, because I don't believe it's fixable from the inside, but I do have some good news to tell you too. Um, so on, on December 25th um, of 2018, Thailand, and it's very, very much of a surprise move, um, legalized medical. And, and not just medical for cannabis, but, but also for, for some other natural plant medicine. And what they did was they adopted an herbal plant model. Um, because Thai traditional medicine is always modeled after Chinese herbal medicine, okay? And so what they have done here is, as opposed to what the U.S. did or the states did when they passed quote-unquote medical laws uh, and went after patients and went after doctors and went after anybody having to do with medical, what they did here is they sent 20 top top scientists to Israel to see how Israel did it. And now five months later, five, only five months later, this month, Rangsit University um, will be doing human testing on a drug to cure, a, a full plant cannabis drug to cure lung cancer after five wow. months. <laughs> yes. So, wow. Um, 23 years, we haven't done crap. We haven't, not only that, but we're we're going the other direction. We're going towards monomolecular medicine. And we know know for a fact that monomolecular medicine, medicine made out of isolates, out of single molecule isolates like CBD, do not work. And GW Pharmaceutical has proven just graphically that they don't work. I, I take 50 milligrams of uh, whole plant CBD every day. Um, if I were to take Epidilox, which is their FDA-approved uh, CBD drug, my dosage, according to their, to their schedule, I would have to take 1,600 milligrams of their product a day. That would be the recommended dosage. Why would you have right, to take sixteen hundred? About a thousand dollars a day. Uh, well, it's thirty-two thousand five hundred dollars a year, um, <laughs> and it's not covered by and it's not covered by insurance. <laughs> right. So, but here's here's the really sad thing about Epidilox. Um, I, I'm, I'm writing an article about it right now, and it, it's scary stuff. The side of the major side effect of Epidilox. Um, is, is liver damage or liver failure. A cannabinoid drug causes liver failure. Well, I, you're, gonna, you're not going to believe this. And it's, when I researched it, the reason it causes liver damage or liver failure is because when they designed the drug as a carrier oil, they decided to use sesame oil because that was what they used inside of the oil-filled capsules for Marinol. Except, and I love sesame oil. I cook with it all the time. But you cook with a few drops of it. Um, you right. would never put a tablespoon of sesame oil in your mouth. Blech. Right. 
So, so no one, no one liked it. So what they decided to do, they decided to make it sweet and they decided to make it taste like strawberries. So they used sucralose. Side effect of sucralose, liver damage or liver failure. Um, wow. And the strawberry flavoring, oh, you're, you're going to love this. The strawberry flavoring they used is listed by the FDA as a pesticide. Oh, my God. Oh. <laughs> yes. Uh, yes. So, um, again, what we've done here um, that is going to cause a sea change in the world is that um, they have adopted an herbal medicine model, and if you're a pharmaceutical company, you can't even get a license to do cannabinoid medicine here in Thailand for the next two to five years. They are only they are only doing full plant medications here. What? Wow. So what? What happened was as soon as the pharmaceutical, Western pharmaceutical industry found out that Thailand was going to legalize medical here, they immediately filed 39 patents to try to stop them with the Thai patent <laughs> agency. Uh, wow. Yes. And, and uh, what happened then was, was the, uh, it was just announced last week, uh, all of those patents have been thrown out. They had none of them. They didn't honor any of those patents because what they were trying to wow. do was stop Thailand from producing full plant extract drugs because full plant extract drugs, A, work, and B, they're cheap. So right. while, I could, while I couldn't, yeah, while I, while I couldn't change policy in the U.S. from inside the U.S., when Ranks at University releases a drug to treat lung cancer, which Big Pharma will never have because you can't use an isolate to treat cancer. They haven't yet. Right. Okay. Right. Um, what What's going to happen in the U.S. when you take your wife in who has got lung cancer and the doctor says, well, you've got two choices. You can have chemo uh, or, or you can have radiation. You go, well, gee, I'd kind of like to have that high FDA approved. I think I want to go to Thailand for a lung couple cancer of months. Treat. Um, Wow. Yeah, and, and that's, that's going to be an eye-opening experience. Well, no, but, but is, is the U.S. FDA going to ignore the fact that the Thai FDA has approved this drug for treating lung cancer and deny it to patients in the U.S.? Oh, yeah, there's a sea change right there. And not well, I, I, only that, it won't be $32,000 a year. Right. So, um, right. So now, now it's getting worse for them. Now it's getting worse for them. I'm, I'm, also, I'm also working in China right now. Um, okay. And I, I can't tell you too much about it because I'm, I'm under non-disclosure. But I can tell you it appears that the Chinese government may also adopt an herbal medicine model. They are looking at um, a new cannabis law, uh, new cannabis policy for China. And it will also be based on an herbal medicine model. And then so is India. So now you've got the two largest population countries in the world, both going to herbal medicine models. And again, we go back to, hey, you know what? It's cheap to produce and it's effective and people in Africa can afford it and people in India can afford it. Uh, certainly the people in America can afford it. This is the end for big pharma in cannabinoid medicine because 
they can't make a medicine that will work as effectively, and they certainly can't make it at the same price they can in India, can they? Not even close. Yeah. Not even close. Not even close. So this is this is going to be a sea change because when, when the American people have to go to another country to, to get medicine to treat their cancer or treat their epilepsy, um, everybody's going to know about it. And pretty soon, um, that's going to be a, the FDA. They're going to they're going to take and burn down the building. So yeah, well, that, yeah I, 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 I I have no. <laughs> go ahead. I, 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 yeah, no, I'm just saying I'm blown away. I went from 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 being a little bit depressed about what's going on about our our the stories of of what's happening, and I certainly don't want to relive what's happened to me already, and. Uh, and then all of a sudden, you got this bright, shining light you're popping up. I don't think it's, it's probably been three or four years since we've talked, but I'm running out of time on the show today, but I would love to have you come back and talk more in depth, maybe even next week. Are you able to call in next week? Sure, no problem. I can do that. Just just uh, send me a message, let me know. And uh, we are about 15 hours ahead of uh, West Coast time. But I, I genuinely okay. up at three or four o'clock. So, well, I, I any, very much appreciate it, and I want to hear more. This is like I'm I'm enthralled right now. I'm going to reach out to you uh, personally uh, after the show as well. I, I just there's so much I I want to ask you about all this stuff. Um, but I, I this is the kind of thing that you know people are always talking. We got to change the law. We got to change the law. You were working on changing laws forever. And here we are, worse than we started it out by leaps and bounds, and and now all of a sudden in a in a I don't know is Thailand considered a third world country, a second world country for sure? Oh no! Um, oh no 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 no! no. This, this, this people people who think that Thailand is is anything uh, approaching a developing nation are have never been here. Uh, here there aren't there is no homeless population. Okay. Here, the malls make. Here, the malls in this country make the malls in the U.S. look ghetto. Really? There's no sleeping on the street. No, we don't. We don't have infrastructure problems. The roads when I left wow. when I left Olympia, Washington, were full of potholes. You don't see that here. Uh, everything is clean. Um, uh, an apartment, an apartment here uh, that I. A one-bedroom apartment, brand new, fully furnished, $218 a month. Same apartment in Seattle would cost you $2,500 would cost you twenty-five hundred dollars a month. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So yeah, we got a lot. Of, we got a lot of stuff to talk about. But anyway, it's good news. It's good news coming out of here. There are there are there's a, one more sea change I will throw at you, and that is sure. um, we're going to be. We're doing a study. We're doing a study here uh, that we will that we will be releasing. We found that um, the, the best way to take cannabis as a medication. You're never going to believe this, but it's true. The best way is also going to cause a sea change in the U.S. because the best way is, is, is cannabis sprouts. Cannabis sprouts during day 10 to day 14 produce produce some bioactives that, it, that the cannabis plant only produces in that, that four-day period. 
And so wow. you can eat you can heat hemp sprouts to cure yourself and to main, and to make sure you don't have problems. And the only way wow. you can do that, of course, is to sprout. Right. Yeah. Imagine that one. So anyway, wow. just let me know. Uh, I, 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 I got. I got. Uh, I, I decided to talk more to you, more with you about this, and I definitely want to have you back on next week. And I'll I'll make sure that I carve out specific time. I, I just didn't realize what you had to say, and and I, this is blowing me away. But I've got a bunch of other guests, and I got to reach a little overtime today. Oh. So um, I am I am tickled um, about this, and I, you and I will be talking considerably more about this. Thank you so much for joining the show. Hey, happy to be here. I'll talk to you next week. All right. Thank you so much. Steve Sarich, folks. Again, I've known Steve when I went up to Washington five five or six years ago, I think is when we met. I was in the uh, at the Olympia Hemp Fest, I think might have been. I don't know. when I was doing a lot of work with Washington a few years back, and um, uh, you know, Steve was knee-deep in it out there, and, and he I think he's he's been a guest on the show before. I know him and I have spoken numerous times. Anyways, I didn't know any of this stuff, so I'm excited, and nothing makes me happier than to learn something I didn't know, and and especially something that's positive like this. Um, Mike, I am so happy. Mike came off the bench and did all of our screening, so I don't have to blindly walk through this. Uh, Mike has uh, been involved with the show off and on since we began way back when, and uh, I thank you for listening and screening and doing a great job. All right, so we're in overtime, but I'm going to always make time for everybody. We have Pete Yapel on the line. Mind you, folks, if you're on the line and you get cut off, you won't be able to call back in because we're in overtime. So I'm going to bring Pete up first because he sometimes has a bad connection. Dana Bland from Missouri was on last week, and uh, I believe he's got an update. we got Chris McKay is going to talk about ANZA. I definitely want to hear what's going on out there. It's some frustrating, scary news. I heard they were going door-to-door out there. Welcome to the Good Stockville, folks. And Tom Corby made it to the show today, and I want to hear the NorCal update to close the show out. So let's go to Pete first, and let's see what's going on in New York. Pete, welcome to the show. Thanks, Joe. We'll be brief, man. I know you're running late. I got a bit of a a migraine coming on tonight anyway. But uh, it's been a great show. I've loved the content tonight. It's been awesome. I want everybody out there to understand that there, there, there's a couple of things that that we forget as humans and we forget as people in general, that we own ourselves. We, you know, ourself is ourself. We are in total control of everything about us. That, uh, you know, we're, we're responsible for that. We're, you know, and a lot of times we, we forget that. And we seem to think that the government needs to tell us what to do or that people in power need to direct us or need to lead us along the way. No, 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 folks. This country was built by people like us, for people like us. But what we've forgotten is that that (laughs) – is that we built it for that reason. People – these people work for us. And, you know, when, when, when people work for other people and they don't do a good job, they get fired. The only people that come close to getting things wrong as many times in their life as the U.S. government and everybody that represents it is, is the weatherman. And you can't fault him because God knows what Mother Nature is going to do. 
But the government makes these tactical decisions. They make these decisions. Again, like last gentleman said, legal? That, come on, man. Legal means there's law attached. That means there is no legality. That means you, you know, like we, when, when I was at the Libertarian meeting last night and they were talking about the difference between New York City and the state of New York. Now, you, now mind you, New York, you, you, you can't carry weed here, but if you're in the city, you can carry up to 30 grams. You know, you, know, you can't do a lot of things in the rest of New York that you have the privilege to do if you live in New York City. And it's funny how that mayor has more control and power and say than the governor of the state himself, or the governor of the state himself is paying for this city constantly. Anyway, that's a whole other that's a whole whole other thing. But I'm a 31 gram guy, you know. So if I'm walking down the road with 31 grams in my pocket, I'm a felon, you know. I, I go from being a law-abiding person that could just sit around and carry 30 grams to being that guy that's carrying 31 grams. Because that's, I like that number. Maybe I like 33 someday. But what, <laughs> I might even you, you know what I mean? Yeah. Right. Like, seriously, what's two or three grams? A two or three grams is a felony. It's the difference between being a felon and being somebody that they're just going to confiscate your weed from. Even believe me, even if you say you can carry it, they're going to confiscate your weed and, and send you on your way. Uh, it, it, it's ridiculous that we allow this much power. Uh, you know, we we fight every week on our TV show. You know the corruption that's going on within the industry. We we bolster and try to rally up for those that are in prison unfairly. You know, and and again, like uh, at the meeting last night, I was like, yeah, well, they have to compensate these guys for being in jail all the time. You know what? It would be a great thing. But I'll tell you what: if you say to them, would you like to walk outside with nothing right now, or would you like to walk outside and be paid, or or, or stay inside until you wait till you get paid to be walk outside? Believe me, they're walking outside. I think no one walk outside wants to right now. That's right, right. Now. Who the hell? Yeah, exactly. They're not going to waste a second. They're going to grab their shit and go. Yep. That's right, and we'll take you. care of them when they come out, and we'll take care of them when they come out. And that's – listen, that's what we all should do anyway uh, in general as just humans. But I don't want to take up any more time, Joe, like I said. I, I, but the show has been great tonight, man, really an awesome, awesome, awesome show. I, I want to applaud you for that. Um, Helen said to please, if she can – have somebody explain to her just how to be a, a screener. She'll screen for you every week. Anytime you know, I mean, she's always on. I will teach you the screening world. It's the easiest thing in the world. So right. I will. Right. We'll, well, uh, listen. Yeah, I'll, we'll I'll get let you in. Know that they, tomorrow on the call, I'll walk you through the screening process. Real simple. All right, that's perfect. That's perfect. All right, so before I go, just everybody listen, if you've got a case anywhere, reach out to any of the Human Solution team. But if you're in New York, please look up Solidarity Over Separation. Human Solutions New York chapter, we're on Facebook. We have it on our car. We have it on our TV set. You know, we have it on our website, www.canawetalk420.com. Please, guys, uh, you know, we, 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 everything that I do in, in my own personal life and in my own personal work is equal to everything I do with the human solution. It actually takes a back seat to it because when something comes up where people are in need like this, I believe me, I'll be the first one to jump. And I know everybody else in our organization is the same way. We're the most selfless people I know. So um, please reach out to me as well at 845-522-3162. You know, for anything, guys, we're, we're, me and Helen are pretty much got our 
feet and damn every pond in the in the on, on the road. So <laughs> you guys are more always we are. <laughs> we love it. We love it. We're so happy to have you as part of the team. And um, big things are brewing right now. We're getting ready to uh, to, to unveil potentially the biggest thing we've ever done. So um, it's uh, it's exciting, and it and it potentially can can touch a lot of people in a, in a lot of ways. And uh, you guys are no small part of this uh, evolution of the organization. Hey, brother, you know me, man. I'll throw everybody else on my shoulders and yeah. carry them around with us, you know, just to have them there, you know what I mean? Awesome. You got it. All right. Well, thank you guys so much for being a part of this, and uh, I appreciate everything you're doing. Thanks, Joe. Have a good night. All right. We'll get you as a screener tomorrow. Thank you. Thank you for offering. Awesome. Peace. All right. Pete and Helen Yaple, folks, are two of the most amazing folks I've ever met, and uh, like I said, we've got this, this team that's just a team of amazing people that's growing and growing, and uh, it's never have I felt so excited about what our organization is capable of and what it's uh, what it's gearing up to do. All right, we got Chris McKay um, going to talk to us about ANZA. Then we got Dana Bland from Missouri, and then Tom Corby to wrap it up. Chris McKay, what's going on? Uh, I hear uh, the hellfires and brimstone are going on in ANZA right now. Oh yeah, we had we had a huge military accident today out here in Anza, uh, all over a plant that grows out of the ground. It's been the longest cultivated plant in human history, uh, cannabis. They they brought in about 500 police officers at a minimum. They brought in multiple uh, state and federal agencies, ATF, D, uh, DHS, INS. DEA, FBI, we're all here today. Um, this is all caused because in Riverside County, which is, and for the listeners that don't know, Riverside County is a Southern California county just a little bit east of L.A. and a little north of San Diego. Uh, we're a very conservative county, I guess, according to the voting demographic. But the people here, have they're Republicans, so they've always said deregulate business and lower taxes for business. Well, when cannabis passed, they said the complete opposite. They went 180 on everything they've always believed, and they said we got to overregulate this and we got to overtax this to keep the black market industry alive and well. And that's exactly what the politicians here did. They turned average citizens into criminals so that they could actually steal their land, hopefully. Uh, right now, the county has been coming in, and they've done 101 raids today in the city of, or the town of Andrew that has 7,000 people in it. So that's a pretty large percentage of warrants for the amount of houses that we have here. Uh, when they came in, they got here at 4 a.m., and they came instead of warrants with guns drawn and had people stand outside in their pajamas and stuff. And uh, they basically, even if they didn't find anything, they are going to charge the landowner for coming onto the property. Uh, it's all part of the cannabis ordinance that they set up. If they have to come and inspect, then the landowner has to pay. Well, this is all inspections, even if they didn't. Have, yeah, even if they didn't have a license or uh, they couldn't get a license. Uh, supervisor here, Chuck Washington, um, he voted to make it so that you can't grow cannabis in Anza. In, in order for us to actually purchase it legally, we have to drive about 65 miles. 
So he turned all the people here into criminals after they voted yes on 64 and yes on 215 in 96. I mean, Riverside County has had legal cannabis since 1996, but there's never been a license handed out for one real business yet. Uh, so it's a big atrocity of them trying to wait and control and let the corporations come here. Uh, now they're doing the land grab with these raids because the, the landowners, if they can't pay the fine, they get a forfeiture on their land, which means the county will seize the land. So in 2023, when the governor of California wants to let all the corporations come in here to grow cannabis, they'll have the land to sell them for cannabis. So it's already been used wow. for cannabis, so they know it's really good land for cannabis farming. They already know that. And that is their plan. That is their total plan. That's basically been said out loud in city council that we're going to make it hard for everybody to get a license until the state lets the corporations in here. So we have taxation without representation happening. We have uh, voter suppression in the sense of the voters said yes, but the politicians are still saying no. And we're spending, uh, this operation had to cost at least 20 to $30 million with the amount of personnel and helicopters that they had, National Guard, all of that. Uh, that money there could have been used to, to house some of the homeless veterans that we have in California. We have a really high number of homeless vets in this state. And nobody wants to address that issue at all. We have a high crystal meth epidemic, and nobody wants to address that. They don't have any money to help addicts, and they don't have any money to help the homeless. But they have all the money in the world to do cannabis raids, which in the long run, these people that got raided, they're just going to replant. They're going to have to redo the raids again in August. And then they'll replant, and they'll have to redo the raids again in October. And then the next year will come and they'll replant and they'll have to do the raids again in June. And it's just a repetitive cycle of fueling the, the police industrial complex, as I call it. We have the prison industrial complex and the police industrial complex. Both of them are tied together, yes. But, man, those police, they just they, – last I heard, they took almost 80% of our county budget every year. And that seems like a really high amount to be taking. Now, we did apply for a legal license here, and with a legal license, we have to actually do a community project. Our, and ANZA, we've been fighting with water rights for about 26 years, I believe. And here, so we were going to actually pay to have two people from ANZA represent us and go to the U.S. Congress and try to help settle these water rights. That was our community project proposal. It was going to cost about $150,000. And the county emailed us back and said, you can't donate to that. You have to donate to the police. Exact words. Wow. So, yeah, yeah. Wow. The money that we were donating, they wanted us to give it to the forces that have been fighting and oppressing us for a hundred, in California 106 years now. California was the first state to have illegal cannabis in 1913 and stuff, which is really hard to believe because of how much cannabis is actually grown here and how much was grown here prior to it, also hemp especially. Uh, we were a major hemp state. Uh, we don't have much lumber. Uh, in California, we don't have any high-paying jobs anymore. Our jobs have basically gone away, and the people in this state are really living paycheck to paycheck. Hey, be quiet. This, this opportunity with this business would have actually given us some better jobs and given opportunities to smaller businesses. Uh, when Riverside was having community meetings about this, there wasn't a cannabis farmer in the meeting that said they wanted to grow large commercial cannabis. They all said they wanted to be mom-and-pop farmers, and we wanted to be able to have a 100-plant license for the Anza area, which doesn't seem very unreasonable at all in today's age. 
Uh, it was no. extremely unreasonable. It was extremely unreasonable to all the politicians in Anza except for one. There was only one politician on the Riverside County Board that actually supported our proposal of having 100 plants and giving out licenses for small mom and pop and charging a minimal fee. So that, that way there we could have actually, we all could have become legal well, cannabis farmers. But you know, I mean, it's really good to know right now if any of these people are being charged um, that, that have these farms. But if, if you find out about anybody who is facing charges and wants to stand and fight, um, you know, I mean, you, I know who you are. You've been, you've been engaged uh, with, with the work we've been doing for many years. Um, and, uh, you know, we're here. We haven't gone anywhere. We're still, uh, still looking to stand up with anybody who's willing to stand and fight. Um, you, you, were, you were around with Aaron's case, weren't you? Yes. Yeah. Yep. I, yeah, I've been I, around I for about 15 years now, I guess. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's been a long yeah, yeah, time. No, it, it seems like we were making exactly progress. Yeah. Yeah. It seems it's, like we were making it, progress, but then when Prop 64 passed, all that progress went to the wayside that we'd been working on with Prop 215. Yeah. And so, I know. I, so. I was uh, never supportive of it, and uh, I knew this was going to happen, and, and sure enough, here we are. But yeah, well, we all knew, mean, everybody in Enza knew this was going to happen too. We all knew it was going to happen, uh, and some people I don't call them illegal farms. I call them American citizens doing the civil yeah. act of disobedience. One hundred percent. They were out there saying we don't agree with your regulations and your laws, and we want to have licenses, exactly. and you won't give them to us. So we're going to grow cannabis anyways, and you can go piss off. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and, exactly. and that's what, we're just going to be Americans. Yeah. Yeah, well, told, I mean, yeah, with all of these raids that they did, they've made zero arrests so far. Now they really? they can charge these people. Yeah, they can charge these people for up to one year for a misdemeanor and up to three years for a felony. Which means now right. if these people happen to if they move and the state charges them, they won't even know that they've been formally charged unless they have a lawyer and paid for a lawyer. So it's another way for a state to, and a county to make people miss their court cases. And right. doing activism, I've, I've seen, I've been arrested many times doing activism with no charges filed that day or that month, but four months right. later they file charges and you don't even know anything right. about it and then you get picked up on a warrant. Right. And, no, they filed charges a, yeah. or almost 11 months after I was raided. So it, I know yeah. exactly, yeah. Uh, I know people that yeah. have been charged and a half years after their initial uh, their initial arrest, so um, yeah. I, I I fully understand and, and despise uh, that element of our justice system. Well, Chris, I, I appreciate that you called in, and um, if you I find out that time. anybody is facing charges, well, I welcome you to call in. You know, if you got any update, call in any time. Every every Wednesday we do this, and I and I, I welcome your updates. I will do that for sure. Thank you so yeah, much. Well, there you go. If I find out if anybody, yeah, if I find out anybody's charged, I will let you know also. Absolutely, I appreciate it, and that's what we're here for. All right, Chris, you have a beautiful night. Thank you for the show. Reporting live from the scene, where <laughs> over 500 agents, law enforcement, military, FDA, DEA, ATF. This is your tax dollars at work here, folks, going through 
and executing warrants and destroying people's homes and lives and property and taking, I saw a video footage of a series of giant dumpsters and one of those big toe-behind shredders, and they were just lopping plants in there and shredding them up into these dumpsters, one after another after another. Um, really? Yes, really. All right, folks, we got Dana Bland from Missouri. Dana was on the show last week. <coughs> He's going up, fighting his case, um, and uh, just doing what we do, and uh, really excited to, to uh, you know, we're, we're, we're raising up or bringing to life or meeting in person activists from all over the country, um, and it's exciting that we're all coming together here in this place to do it. Dina, welcome back to the show. I'm glad you were able to call back in. How are you doing today? Oh, I'm doing great. The show's been great. Got to learn a few things that I didn't know. <laughs> I have to try it myself now from the guy that talked in from Thailand. But, yeah, yeah what, what's happening in California is <laughs> that's not even legal what they're doing. I mean, they're breaking everyone's constitutional rights, and they're just getting walked on. And I agree. I mean, they, they want to pretend we don't have a constitution anymore. <laughs> Well, when they got a helicopter gunship and assault rifles to boot and lots of guys with uh, flak jackets and helmets and, and weapons and, and tools of destruction come descending on your house, it's awfully hard to put up a fight. <laughs> yeah, but knowing your rights helps you get through it. <laughs> but, yeah, things are changing because I'm, I'm my biggest – a group of people that I'm talking to are Christians and people from church and being okay. able to turn their minds and reprogram it to the way God put it to begin with, right from the beginning. It's not as being as hard as I thought. <laughs> Good. That's fantastic. Well, I, if I'm not mistaken, all the plants were deemed to be good, right? Every single one of them. That's right. All good uh, for our food, meat, and healing. I think they were all, they all had a reason, a purpose, and, and they were all good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, yeah, I mean, they've known that we've had the cure to cancer for since 1974, and actually they've known it since the 1930s because the scientists back then found out that. But people are starting to learn now that they've been robbed of their life because this country has been lying to them all these years. Well, I'm hoping that it starts pissing some people off enough to get up off of their couches and and start looking around at each other saying, you know what, I think I've had damn near about enough of this. You know, we, we pay our taxes. We try to be good folks. We try not to bother anybody else. And most people I know fit into that category, regardless of what you're your religious background is or what your political background is, most people generally are a live and let live sort of folks, and, and, and most people are generally good. And, and that's been my experience in 53 years of walking on this planet. Yeah, well, I found run into after we got arrested, and we'd never been in trouble in our lives, and Sue's never did anything. Uh, and then she got assaulted at the hospital and and they did things they weren't supposed to do but people are starting to see it now and uh 
for someone that's never been in trouble in their life to get a $30,000 bond and a $30,000 another bond on his wife for the exact same thing, and she never did anything in her life either. (laughs) Yeah, I hear you. They hit me for a million dollars. But here we we had the highest uh, bond in the whole jail. (laughs) Yep. Yeah, it's brutal, and and like you say, you know, you're good. Good folks aren't used to being treated like bad folks, and that that was a big eye opener for me too. When I got arrested for the first time, thrown into a holding cell with a bunch of people that were maybe not so good and treated certainly like somebody who was not good, um, it was it was an eye opener for me. I, I I I couldn't believe it, but it's the thing that woke me up that said we need to make change, and that's Ultimately, one of the things that got me to where I'm at right now, still trying to make change that is lasting and permanent and good, and that's what you're here doing too. So, um, have you had any development in your in your case this over the last week? Uh, we see the lawyer on the 19th. Uh, uh, I haven't heard anything yet, but it, it's they don't have a case at all. I mean, they just don't have a case against us. <laughs> yeah, and, and my wife, when she got put in jail, and she never did anything. She was put in with women that had killed other people, and wow. and and that's not supposed to be there at this jail. And this is a jail for profit. So I mean, just to give you an idea how bad it is when you first never been done had anything like that done, and they don't even allow you to have underwear and socks, and you have to sleep on the floor. That's not. That 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 ain't even legal, and that's what the prison nope. for jails for profit do. I I couldn't agree more. I, I I know exactly what you're talking about. I I was in a in a in a room with a bunch of bad people that did a lot of bad things, murders and every kind of bad person you could think of. And and you know I I I get it. And and you know there's everything wrong about that. It, the court system and the prison system was not designed for nonviolent offenses and certainly not for drug offenses if there wasn't any victim connected to them. And yet that's what we're filling up our courts, our jails, and our prisons with. And, you know, they're feeding off of it, and, and, and we're feeding them. And, you know, yeah, there's a lot of wrong elements to this, and, and any one of them should be enough to make us upset. And all of them together should be enough to make us all upset. And yeah. I still struggle to find people that are upset enough to stand up and talk. And, you know, that's why I'm glad you, that we connected. And, and uh, you know, you, you and your wife are, are, are moving forward and speaking out and inspired enough to uh, make change. And reaching out to your church is a powerful tool. You know, the, the churches are, in, in a lot of ways, um, have – have kept people ignorant been, of these things. The, tr- the churches know, I mean, have been lied to, just like everyone else. And but there's they're a little bit hurt, harder to change their mind. But once you show them in the Bible what they're wrong and where things have been changed to make it a different thing in the Bible, then it, they're convinced. <laughs> it doesn't take much. And in Illinois, they just legalized uh, the uh, the well, the marijuana for uh, recreational use, but it also said that they have 140,000 or so uh, prisoners plant, you know, from marijuana, 
and they're going to be letting them all out. Well, I, I hope that that happens. Anything that lets somebody out, even one person, out of custody for this plant is is a value. So that's ultimately, you know, it just takes starts with one, and and hopefully, you know, it'll it'll start to spread. Um, the history in California, Colorado, Washington, and Oregon haven't accomplished those things, even though they claimed that they were going to. So hopefully. Um, Illinois will be the one that, that sets the bar there. Yeah, this state wants to make it out of, out of reach for cost for most people, the way they're trying to do it, and or they're trying to change the amendment that we voted in from six plants to three plants, and then you have to have it in a vault inside your house with all the lights and the uh, uh, alarms and everything. I mean, it's just completely ridiculous. And to be a grower... Yeah. It would cost you a hundred thousand dollars just for the license. That's like Michigan was when they first came out. They had these ridiculous rules about uh, how it had to be kept away from everybody and how it was to be kept away from everybody, and just just horrible, uh, horrible regulations. Well, Dana, um, I appreciate you being here. I'm 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 running way over time today, and I still got one more guest to go. Um, but you are absolutely 100% welcome to call in every week and give us whatever update. The 19th of June is, uh, happens to be my birthday, so hopefully uh, you'll have some good news uh, to give me as a birthday present. Oh, sure. All right. Been a good show. Excellent. Thank you so much. Dana Bland from Missouri, folks, uh, standing up for his rights and everybody else's and educating people about the truth and what's right and that's what this is all about. That's what the human solution is all about, educating and supporting. That's how we end prohibition. Passing a silly law that doesn't do much keeps prohibition going. So waking up people, open up their mind, telling them the truth about these things, uh, hopefully inspiring them to stand up and, and say, wait a minute, that's not okay. That is going to make the change, and that is what is making the change. All right, Tom Corby, the lion from NorCal, here to close down the show today. Tom Corby, welcome to the show. How are you doing, my friend? Oh, I want to thank Joe and, and apologies again uh, for cutting in sooner. I wasn't sure. And thanking you all again. Uh, we're doing pretty good out here. Uh, we all have our health challenges to overcome. Uh, Peggy Sue, for sure. Uh, and we send out our prayers to her uh, in the hospital. The reason I want to share this is for, for folks out there that are going through health issues, some of the things that I learned in the hospital. Also, we advocated uh, with the nurses, the doctors, and even the administrator, and they're uh, advocated like we do with defendants and actually help them uh, diagnose our case, my case especially. Uh, we also uh, re- redirected them on our medicine. Uh, the administrator said, I'm a libertarian. I'm not against it. But again, what are we up against, folks? Goliath, that federal one drug. Uh even if it's in, in uh, Schedule 2, uh, 
any schedule, should, there should be no schedule on our plant. That's our goal and vision, to end prohibition, free all our POWs, Craig's Diesel, all of them, plants poor, and no one should go to jail for a plan. So the medicine has helped us so much, the oils, the RSOs, the CBDs, the tinctures and rubs. want to thank you, Joe and Liz, and, of course, our good friend Frank Canan uh, for these, these great uh, products that I recommend. Uh, North Cal Report right now, uh, it's not too happy. Uh, our friend Frank, Frank Canan, Joe knows very well. I uh, had a family emergency in, in Missouri. Uh, we miss him so much here, but we've had others come and help out and, and uh, give us a hand here. So uh, our prayers go out to Frank Canan and his family. Uh, he'll probably be a week or two. Also, uh, our friend Bob, Bobby J. Uh, I know Joe already knows about uh, up in uh, Eagle, Oregon. How's that working out, folks? Like Joe said, well, I'm not sure how much I can share here on this case. I'm advocating with Colleen, uh, his lady, uh, how much we can share here. The first thing I see, I think it's okay to stay. I don't think we can really taint this case. Uh, probable cause in the first place to pull him over because he had Colorado place. Uh, that doesn't sound like call, uh, and it was a rented vehicle. It doesn't sound like probable cause to me. Furthermore, Bob Jarrett, taught by folks like Joe Grumbine, uh, is no slouch. He knows how to how to work these cases. He's come with court support. He's had other cases that he's already had dismissed. Uh, furthermore, we never consent to any search that goes for code enforcement. He did not consent to a search. I think this plays really big in this case. I think Joe would agree here. Furthermore, the, the, char- the charges here, uh, I guess I can read them from Colleen here. Uh, the, one of one is uh, delivery. Well, that's just uh, circumstantial evidence that they're charging him with delivery when he hasn't delivered anything. Uh, furthermore, this is just this is just possession of psilocybin mushrooms, a small amount. Although that's not covered under our Prop 215. Uh, we know already right now Colorado has legalized. Uh, Mushrooms. Also, I just heard Oakland has legalized them. I think that will help in his case. Uh, I mentioned I would share it on the radio show to help start mustering some court support. She believes this is definitely going to to uh, to a hearing. So don't forget to breathe, and that surely helps me. So. Uh, Joe, do you have anything else to add to that that we can help start advocating and working his case? Frank's also got some information that he's helping with. Well, we're just waiting to hear from him and, and, and see what's actually happening beyond the charges that, that he's looking at. 
Um, you know, he's got 72 hours to have a hearing, and a lot of times, unfortunately, they uh, they hold you, you know, for those 72 hours because they get paid while you're in lockup. So, uh, you know, Bobby's got all kinds of health issues that um, uh, hopefully will not get worse because uh, of being locked up. And, um, you know, the, the local and county jails are the worst filthiest, nastiest places on the planet. Um, they're worse than state prisons. They're worse than federal prisons. They're just the, the godforsakenest or ugliest places there is. And um, I just hope that uh, he's able to hold it together and, and uh, just, uh, you know, the answer is simple. You shut the hell up. You don't say anything to them. You don't give them anything. You don't give them anything to use. You just Wait until you see what you got uh, up against, and then we set a plan, and we'll be there to help any way we can. Well, yeah, of course. And then uh, because he didn't consent to the search, the three charges are possession and then uh, delivery service, well, uh, the delivery or whatever you want to call it, which is this assumption. The other one, uh, the other charge is actually interfering with the report, the written report, when he wasn't consenting to that search. So I don't think that's going to go too far in the courtroom. Also, I, I mentioned, go ahead. Uh, they have to assign you PD. Uh, we can work with those PDs and we can, re- we can redirect the, those PDs also to get them on the right track to get his discovery uh, to start filing motions and come from, always come from probable cause. Those are the charges that he was arrested for. He hasn't been formally charged with any of those yet. So when he faces the judge, the DA is going to decide if they're going to actually file, levy those charges or and pursue a case or whether they're just going to let him go. And so, you know, that's, that's their purview. And hopefully they'll do the right thing and realize this guy isn't a criminal or isn't a danger to them or anybody else and decide to just let it go which they certainly could do. Right. Yeah. Uh, Joe, okay. Uh, that's enough. Coach, he says, uh, Joey and Shannon League, long time, good friends. You know, Joey and Shannon just showed up to help us Excellent. out here too. And, uh, yeah. They just to say hello. Hi, Joe. Yeah. Hey, thanks and, for coming uh, to help the coaches out. Right. Okay, Joe, I want to thank you if that's all today and all those on the front line, all the great speakers today coming together, helping the solution to finding and prohibition free all our POWs. It all begins with one, folks, and you could be the next one. Come join us, helping the solution, and don't forget to breathe. Thank you all today. Excellent. Well, thank you, Tom. And thank you, everybody, to, that helped make the show amazing. And uh, we're an hour and 40 minutes into a one-hour show. That's good for this week. We'll see you all next week. Hi, I'm Willie Nelson, and the Willie Nelson Teapot Party and I endorse The Human Solution, supporting cannabis prisoners because no one should go to jail for a plant. Little things I should have said and done. You were all.